Hey y'all, before we jump into today's episode, we would like to invite you to a special event we're hosting on May 30th called Women in Whiskey. Join us for an adult field trip filled with Southern fun at the Jack Daniels Distillery right here in our home state of Tennessee. Get ready to learn while sipping. We will be taking a private tour of the distillery, enjoy a barbecue lunch on the beautiful hillside, and partake in early happy hour with cocktails provided by Jack Daniels as we listen in on a conversation with women who work in the industry. The conversation will be led by yours truly, your hosts of the Steel Magnolias podcast. Learn more about the event at steelmagnoliaspodcast.com. You can grab your tickets there and we cannot wait to see you on May 30th. And now on with the show. The U.S. has approximately 3.8 million acres of salt marshes. Three quarters of them are in the southeast, including a vast interconnected 1 million acre stretch from North Carolina to Florida. Fresh off of a trip to Charleston, I'm excited to talk about these coastal wonders. So, I'll meet you at the table. I'm Lainey. And I'm Laura Beth. And we are Steel Magnolias. The strength of steel with the grace of a magnolia. We are here to have uplifting conversations about life in the South. And we've got plenty of room at our table. So pull up a chair. Well, I went to visit a friend in Charleston this past weekend. Lucky. It's such a good time there. I mean, I've gone probably 15 or 16 times. It was mostly for family to get together and you know so it was centered around the kids getting together and you know I didn't make it to any hot spots downtown (laughs) any of the foodie spots I was gonna say no she she restaurants with great chefs no I didn't well her husband's a chef that's true but the people we stayed with can definitely cook but we had a lot of outside time including being around today's topic so I'm very excited about the timing of this but before we jump into that I just wanted to share how surprised I was by a display that's up in the Charleston airport that I've, mm. I haven't heard anything about. I posted about it on our Instagram. It's just a small memorial area that says Charleston Strong painted on the wall. And it's a memorial that's been set up um, with stained glass windows and photography and a Bible to honor the victims of the 2015 tragedy that took nine people's lives at the Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church. It was, the prayer meeting was going on and somebody came in and took lives. Yes. And so if you terrible. remember anything about that, the huge piece of that was the moments, the days, hours after when families of these victims started publicly extending forgiveness. I mean, it was so soon was what made it so shocking. Yes. So the photography really reminds you of that time period. And even if you weren't familiar with it or somehow missed those headlines, you get to see just a really beautiful display of the way Charleston came together. And Charleston Strong was kind of the hashtag or the sort of the way they kept calling that yeah. that response to to that event. But it, they have one of the Bibles of one of the, like, I think it was either the senior pastor or one of the other people that, that passed away. It's just beautiful. Wow. Like, what a way to enter the city. If wow. you, especially if you've never been to already kind of get a glimpse into the these are the sorts of people people that 
are standing here. So anyway, I just wow. I wanted to mention it because I'm not sure how many years it's been up. That happened in 2015, but I think it's still fairly new that that's memorial's been up. Well, that forgiveness thing, whew, it's yeah. big yeah. in everybody's life on freedom. For sure. I mean, I could. But I mean, what a living testimony. You're right. We're, we're witnessing people that are in the throes of it. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that if you fly through Charleston, be sure and be on the lookout for yeah. that in your baggage claim because it's beautiful. And I almost missed it just because I was walking kind of fast. Well, I so. want to make it to Charleston this year if possible. So I will look for that because that sounds very moving. Yeah. So we wanted to thank you to our um, content director <laughs> for sitting across from me. You timed this well because you knew I was going to be um, headed to South Carolina and the, yeah. east, the East Coast and that salt marshes would be fresh on my mind. So that's what we wanted to talk about today. And yeah. salt marshes are just... I mean, at the simplest form, just coastal wetlands that have been flooded and drained by water brought in from the tides. Right. So, Sometimes they're even called tidal marshes. Yeah. Yeah. And they're everywhere around South Carolina. <laughs> For sure. They are marshy because the soil may be composed of a very deep mud, which we'll talk about some of the specifics in all of these components of the marsh as we go along in this episode. But we just thought, okay, these habitats are essential for healthy fisheries, for our coastline, for our communities. They're an integral part of the economy and culture. So we just thought we should spend some time talking about them. Absolutely. So this has been on my list for a while. But yeah, since you were going, I thought, let's just go ahead and dive Mm -hmm. into the salt marshes. No pun intended. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to dive into any marshes. No. No, you don't. Um, anyway, yeah, just this this ecosystem that's so important. And I have to tell you, as I was doing the research for this, it was yet another time I was going, man, God is good and amazing. He takes, he takes care of every detail of everything needed I, I was for thinking, abundant life. I know. I was thinking the same thing. Like the complexity. I mean, because we're just given top line. Of the food web that's yes. happening in there. Yes. And the water cleaning that's happening in there. Like we can't even go into it all in a 30-minute podcast. No, no way. But... um. It's just so cool to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, should we just kind of maybe give just some salt marsh things to know, if you will? Sure. Yeah. Well, I, one of the things I wanted to say was South Carolina in particular has more than 344,000 acres of salt marsh, which wow. means it has the most marshland of any state along the East Coast. And I believe it. I mean, you you have to almost close your eyes to not see, <laughs> to not see some. salt marsh. I mean, even, Yeah. They're everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. Crossing bridges. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And they are, they provide shelter, food, nursery grounds for more than 75% of commercial and recreational fish species in the country. And so we're talking about shrimp, blue crab, redfish, flounder. Those are the sorts of things feeding in this, um, ecosystem if you will and that's some of the bigger things yes there's that, that matter to us on a plate right yes right? exactly that's where we're, that's where culture really seems to be affected when it comes to yeah the average joe well i got tickled because i saw a, an image it was actually quite beautiful that was life in a salt marsh 
um, from exploringnature.org. Okay. And it has like kind of a, a showing of the food chain. And I had not seen the word phytoplankton since I was like dissecting something. It's cool. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh, phytoplankton. I remember That's that word. Hilarious. Um, but yeah, there's snails and clams and that are feeding off of the grasses and like just the whole, it's so intricate. The, the crabs, different kinds of crabs, different kinds of fish and birds. Yeah. I mean, there's osprey and snowy egrets and, um, you know, the coveted blue heron that everybody wants yes. to see. The northern harrier. Herring gulls. Um, there's marsh rabbits and raccoons. And I mean, there's just so much in there. And let me tell you this. This was really bizarre to me. So at one of the homes that I visited, it is on the water. It's on a marsh. Okay. And we were there sort of mid-tide. And so we took a just a small fishing boat out. And once we were a little bit further out, so I'm not in marsh area. Because you really now can't have a boat boat in marsh area. You'd have to have shallow. like a kayak. Yeah. I have kayaked through marshes before. Okay. And that can be tough too. Well, I was because thinking, there's not, I don't think there's alligators anywhere up there in that part. I don't think there? so. Because if I, I would not kayak in Florida. I was going to say, if there are, no one told me that before I got in the kayak but I'd be scared you know as I got closer to where the ocean dumps into this I mean I, that current was heavy okay you know so it is kind of tricky to be like okay this area of the marsh is okay to kayak in but I want to stay around here I don't want to get further out yeah to where, where the, water's the water's changed rougher. so much yeah I'm getting ahead of myself but anyway so when we went out for a little boat ride we saw a few dolphins oh yeah and I asked the people that we were with, you know, do you see dolphins a lot? And they were like, oh, yeah, all the time. But here's... They like this kind of... Yeah. So I didn't think about dolphins being in salt marshes, though. And here's the crazy weird part. So apparently the low country is one of the few places where dolphins actually beach themselves onto the mud to catch their... Or to um, feed on their catch. So just for a little bit, I'm not, okay. I'm not talking about them out there sunbathing for hours on hours. That would be problematic. I'm talking about just a quick up on the shore, not, the, not the shore, lunch, the mud, and I'm going to go back and then down. I'm going back. So it's called strand feeding. Oh, and well. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, the, the people that I was with, they've, they had seen it once. Okay. A dolphin come up, like, right where they live, right at the, near their dock, and eat its catch, and then, and a bird joined it really quickly and got I'm sure that's frustrating the dolphin's (laughs) probably like hey I'm the one that did all the work here you're just gonna sweep by and swoop in and peck at my lunch but yeah so the low country um it's one of the few places where this happens and only a small so low country being South Carolina area um but the only see why it's called low country right (laughs) only a small percentage of dolphins strand feed because it's something that you would only do if you earned learned it early on in life okay apparently it's just it's not something you just would as a dolphin would pick up later in life yeah so either your mom did this when you were growing up and this is how y'all fed isn't that funny or you don't and even some of the 
ocean waters. I saw a cool video of, of dolphins doing this, but, but definitely in the marsh areas, they're that's more susceptible cool. to do well, that. Another so. thing you might see in there, I don't know if y'all saw any of the diamondback terrapin turtles. I didn't. But you can see why critters like turtles would like this. Like you can yes. kind of hide if you need to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In these grasses. Yes. And, you know, there's just a lot to eat in there. Yes. Um, this is the it's entire. definitely like a thriving environment. For sure. And just, in, yeah, just interesting. Like even setting wise, this is what I had pictured the entire time I was reading where the crawl dads sing. Yes, is that the name yes. of that book that uh-huh. was so popular? Yes. This is where I was picturing. For sure. Like just, you know, kind of creepy, kind of like easy to hide, but. Mm-hmm. Fo- sometimes foggy, maybe. Yes. And like, yeah. But doesn't it, can't you also see that lead character in that book? How she would be so interested in different feathers and different. Yeah animals i mean yeah. gosh i felt like i was like ready to sign up to volunteer i kind of was too reading all of this i'm like this is the coolest right uh, all my nerd tendencies were in high gear it kind of feels like because i mean you and i both love water it felt like a very attainable place to connect with the animals that you're not deep sea dive fishing right you have mud boots or, on and you're just out there like, yeah trekking around though We'll get to the mud. It's not that easy to move sure. around in. Yeah. So the other thing that would be important to mention is that, you know, these are important for the absorption of water. So during storms, salt, oh, salt man, marshes yes. absorb floodwaters and um, they de- decrease property damage um, in adjacent because communities. Because of erosion, like to keep erosion from happening. Yes. Um, they say that one acre of salt marsh can absorb up to 1.5 million gallons of flood water, which is equivalent to more than two and a quarter Olympic-sized swimming pools. So cool. That's a lot of water. See, there again, I'm just like, God, you're amazing that you knew yeah. to do all of that. Yeah. So, yeah, and like you said, just all sorts of habitation possibilities. Yeah, it's For wild. different animals there. Um, yeah, and so there's definitely some, like, terms that... Well, one thing we... I can't believe we're this far in that I didn't mention that lives in there is oysters. This is one of the best, best, best places to get oysters. For sure. So, is in marshlands. In fact, um, oysters like kind of you know they'll have little colonies of oysters and that even played into some of the not that i am a civil war expert but the battles that happened there in charleston some of the um fighting i think had to do with getting in pluff mud and falling on oysters and stuff like played a part in no way some of that you know wow wartime um wow interesting terrain to be running on you know, or running. And you either in, know it or you don't. Yeah. Right. You're at a very big advantage. Or whatever. Like, if, yeah. If that's home turf. That's that crazy. Well, I didn't mention oysters yet because it is plud, pluff mud, which is the mud, that forms the bed for oysters. And I saw oyster beds at oh, mid-tide. Cool. I could see lots of that's them. That's so cool. Now, this isn't harvesting season for oysters, so 
I didn't ever see anybody out there doing that. And there's real like strict rules on that. Like when you can, how much you can, how all yes. of that. Like yeah. there's literal rules on October through April or mid May would be oyster harvest season. But yeah, it's crazy to see oyster beds in those clusters that's so fun i didn't realize they grew like that i always imagine of course oh you you never really realize how hard something is to harvest and cook if it's just something that you know showed up on your plate at a restaurant right right? you don't we forget that (laughs) there's a whole process that had a long journey sometimes before it got to your plate but that would actually be a really fun thing to do like go out with somebody that does that and see that whole process mm-hmm. I think that would be really fun well pluff mud is another reason that the beaches and oceans and rivers in that area are not as clear and blue as right. they are right. in neighboring states right um because you know with all that tide coming in and out and all of that thick mud it's gonna be muckier yeah water exactly and the smell would go the smell would go along with that so the smell it's very distinct smell i mean some people probably think it smells like home because that's like i'm getting home that's exactly what i read a story of a guy that had moved away from charleston growing up there and he said it's actually a nostalgic Uh feeling for me but depending on your point of view it could be very repulsive yeah what is fascinating to me about that, though, is the smell is actually coming from decomposition right. that's happening in there of all the things we've mentioned yes. that are dying in there and yeah. breaking down, etc. But supposedly, sometimes it's so, the gas that's coming from that process happening is so strong it will even bubble. Oh mud. my god! I, be- I've never I believe seen it that, again. That's... What a setting for a book, right? right? It's like the perfect backdrop exactly. for a mystery novel or some fictional story. Or I know when I was a kid, um, I felt like you know, and when you're watching Scooby Doo or something like that, there was always that you know sand that people would like start to sink down into, yes. and like you're afraid, yeah, all the quicksand. Yeah, you're gonna have yeah. to be saved out of the quicksand. Yeah, you know? Indiana Jones. Is that real? I guess it is in some places. Quicksand. It's I don't just know. So fine that you just go all the way under it. I don't know, but, but I mean, this you, pluff mud is you the could closest get to your knees quickly, <laughs> mid thigh. Yes, for us short people. Yeah. Yes, and I don't know how easy that is to maneuver if you're that deep in. I'm sure it's great for your skin, but yeah, (laughs) not something I want to have any sort of experience with. No, and I don't want to step on any oysters or any, um, your husband stepped on something. Something that was not happy about it and poked him. Stabbed him. Stabbed him. I was wondering (laughs) if it was, might be a horseshoe crab because it has that pointer thing on it. It might be. That know. was one of those scenarios that was at the ocean that I didn't want to know what it was. Because yeah. you don't want to be scared I to go back in there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Well, and I mean, okay, so yeah, we're talking about this decaying sort of <laughs> decomposition. And even from the Spartina grasses, which is that grass that's growing up, um, that is, um, you know. It's alive. Deteriorating. That's true. And if you even think about if you've had like fresh cut flowers in a vase for a long time. And that slime. That That's starts what, to happen in the water. I mean, it smells bad. Or if you've ever had a plant that got root rot because it got too wet. Yes. And it's got that. That can smell real bad. So this is times 
a hundred million. Exactly. <laughs> but that is the uh, life support, if you will, for fish, crabs, um, shrimp, all the things, all the, the things. phytoplankton, the yeah, the little um. Oh, I can't think of what those things are called that I've seen. It looks like some kind of snail or something that lives on those grasses. I don't remember the name of oh. it. But anyway, do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? They look like little snails. Yes. Yeah. Um. Well. Yeah. So. That's going to cause a stench. It, but. Yeah. And definitely, as you mentioned, the waters are not going to be as clear on these beaches as like compared to a Florida area yeah, yeah in large part because of this mud and the yeah and the grass it's very different so um, yeah I don't think Florida has a I mean well certainly like when you're talking about the um Everglade side <laughs> that whole Everglade area yeah. is a whole nother beast of but then now we're into alligator now zone. we're into alligators so no but down you. on the panhandle yeah. the beaches that a lot of Georgia Alabama Tennesseans go to yes there's not much of this marshiness no. like if you're on a bay you may see some of these grasses yeah but even that, that it's almost more like a lily pad formation yeah, it's or nothing like this yeah yeah it's very different so this grass, though, is um, also very important, and that also helps with a lot of like shoreline erosion and yes prevention of. So it was just funny to think about um, the friends that we were visiting. I think if I had a water property, waterfront property, this would be something I would have more interest in versus like an ocean front. I'm not saying i'm in the market to purchase <laughs> either but because of all these like barriers that i read about okay that seem to help, help yeah with you know water and damage. A, that is a real thing when yeah. you're living on a coast is yeah. just the hurricanes the major storms that come through yeah and hit your property and also these tides you know with it being like the tides push the salty water into the far reaches of the marsh and then they suck the water back out that is also helping with cleaning water that's so true it's just an amazing system i just continue to be amazed by all of this yeah so i would say if you're super interested in this um the best way to get around it is going to be a kayak or a canoe um even so so much so like you wouldn't even want to get a boat too close to a lot of this because boat the wake of a boat is going to mess up a lot that's true of the ecosystem and life that's happening if, you know, a lot of, so that's why just, they feel safe swimming yeah. around and hiding because yeah. there's not a lot of shaking it up. Right. Exactly. Happening. Exactly. So even as a boater, you'd need to be really conscious of the area and know, okay, this is not a good area <laughs> to be cruising through. Forget like a low tide. Yeah. But even just for the sake of the environment. Well, if there's any bird watcher nerds out there like me, I think this would be such a fun place to do some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, things ranging from raptors to songbirds are drawn to salt marsh grasses. And um, I've already mentioned the blue heron, but bald eagles sometimes can be seen around yep. this kind of thing. Yep. Um, black ducks, um, belted kingfishers. 
Um, the threatened Eastern Black Rail in Woodstork. Yep, I've heard of those. And um, the Salt Marsh Sparrow, which is under review for listing on the Federal Endangered Species Act. Uh-oh. So, okay. Um, lots of unique bird watching happening over there in the marshes. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we would probably even say it could, I'm sure there's lots of areas that could use some help. Yeah, so I did want to mention that because just like um, our Mississippi River um, episode that we did Mm -hmm. and we talked about similar things with um, some of the environmental concerns Mm -hmm. with the rivers and we already mentioned erosion, how that can be, you know, problematic. But all of the building that's going on, sometimes not in the smartest way, is changing yeah the marshes yeah over there in those areas so yeah if you want want a way to serve if you're thinking if you live in an area that has marshes and you're kind of either looking for some community service right there's so many good things you can do to jump in to help yeah with environmental concerns and I think that would be a fun way to see what's happening for sure firsthand sounds sounds like a good family project too for a fall break or spring break maybe there's groups that do things um oh i didn't mention one other word that i came across mangrove have you ever heard of the mangrove that's the trees and shrubs that grow in the briny water um, along coastlines so i think i have some pictures of that then yeah I'm going to put up some pictures this week on our Instagram to, to share. Because, I mean, like I said, I, anywhere I, any direction I looked a lot of times, I was like, marsh, like, marsh, oh. marsh, marsh. Yeah. So it was very easy to capture. Well, those mangroves there. help a lot with that filtering of the water as well. Okay. So, yeah, y'all feel free to look up the, I didn't have specific um, groups to help because I don't know what, you know, in each state what everybody has, but that would be a wonderful way to serve. And I even wanted to mention just, you know, not only is this important in our environment and our world we live in, and it's a big part of just even funny things in culture. Oh, that's so true. So just a few examples. I came across um, out of Charleston, there is Holy City Brewing has a beer called, their beer called Pluff Mud Porter. Oh, that's funny. Because that Ho- yeah, Holy City would be the name of Charleston. So Holy City, that's funny. I thought that was cute. Pluff and Ma- then um, also in Charleston, there's a um, company that makes soaps and bath products, things like that. That's called Pluff Mud Mercantile. Oh, okay. Wonder if they have a mud mask. <laughs> oh, they totally should, right? Um, and that's then, funny. have you ever seen that company Spartina Four Four Nine? I think I've heard you talk about it. Well, I just think their stuff is so cute. Yeah, they yeah. have jewelry and handbags and um, just cute little cute coastal little looking scarves things. and <laughs> beach cover ups and things. Well, they, um, I mean, just that name, Spartina Four Four Nine. Yeah. So it's such a part of marsh culture. That's so true. And we have some of their stuff at at our Belk store here oh, in Franklin. Okay. But um, they have actual stores you can go in and okay. see all of this cute stuff in Hilton Head Island, um, Charleston, Savannah, Asheville, and Highlands, North Carolina. Okay. All, those have actual For all great cities. Stores. So they're, yes. they're doing something right. They are. 
Um, and I think they even have some outlet stores in some other places too. Okay. But, um, and then in Darien, Georgia, in their kind of marshy area yeah. over near St. Simon's and all that, um, there's a Spartina grill. So I mean, there's oh, probably fun. tons of more things, but just in seeing that, those kinds of things, I thought, see, it's yeah. just such a part of culture. Yeah. It's more than just the environment. Oh, it's, for sure. It's a People part of, pl- they, they want to own everything. Play we, it up. Everything we are. Well, and now that you know these words, You'll see Spartina it. Spartina or cord grass would be another name. Or mangrove, pluff mud. Now you're going to be like, oh. I'm a marsh what, expert. I know, what, I know what they're talking about. That's fun. Well, it's just something fun to dig into. That's I right. really enjoy it. I'm looking forward to seeing your pictures too. Yeah, I got I some good any ones. Of those yet. It's hard to not take pretty pictures in Charleston. That's true. It's just, you can architecture, mm-hmm. yeah. beach, color. Yeah. I mean, there's just, yeah. Easy, easy, easy. So if you're enjoying the conversations like today that we're having, could you give us a second and write up a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you like to listen to? Even a short phrase like, this is a podcast I look forward to. I mean, something simple. Something short. Yeah, it doesn't have to. That helps us so much. It helps other people find us. Yes. And it brings clarity to people that are trying to decide amongst the, you know, 25 other Southern podcasts (laughs) or whatever their interest is if they want to spend time with us. So I know I personally, I feel like I look at reviews for everything now, not just podcasts. Oh, I do too. But I'll tell you what also helps me is if a friend tells me. For about sure. a podcast they're enjoying. So oh, tell your sure. friends. Yes, you listener carry the power to share this podcast with others. So <laughs> thank you in advance for doing that. And just, you know, have a great week. And thanks for spending some time with us. Peace be with you. And also with y'all. <laughs> <laughs>